The Brewers Association and Craft Beer Radio present Savor 2016, an American craft beer and food experience from Washington, D.C. This salon is from Friday, June 3rd. All Things Trappist, presented by Father Isaac Keeley from the Spencer Brewery, Ron Carlson, also from the Spencer Brewery, and Mary Jo Finkenstadt from Trappistine Quality Candy. All right, let's get started. Hello and welcome. Uh, first, welcome to uh, Savor, um, craft beer and food experience, um, ninth year of Savor, so thanks, thanks for being here. A um, couple of housekeeping notes before I introduce our, our two speakers. Uh, the first is that these salons are recorded so that those who are not as lucky as you um, and don't get to taste the amazing uh, beer with the, the foods they're going to get paired with um, can at least listen in and learn a little bit of something. Uh, they're being recorded by craftbeerradio.com and will be on craftbeer.com next week. So if you want to relive your experience, feel free. Um, Next, I'd like to thank our speakers and introduce Father Isaac Kelly and Ron Carlson from the Spencer Brewery, America's only authentic Trappist brewery. So without further ado, take it away. Okay, so I'm Isaac. Um, I'm a Trappist monk so, um, and, uh, from St. Joseph's Abbey in Spencer. So uh, we're a community of about 50 monks. Uh, we're what we call contemplative monks, so that means it's a lifestyle kind of oriented to prayer and meditation and some study to support that and activity to balance off those kinds of more sedate activities. Uh, manual labor is really an important part of the tradition. Um, the community itself, the people are 191 years old at this point. We've been at Spencer since 1950, so that would make 66 years. Um, <clears throat> picture's always worth a thousand words. You can't see this too well, but it is an aerial view of the monastery to try to give you a little context. About, um, about 10 years ago, we started thinking about Alternate, alternate forms of, of su supporting ourselves. Since we don't do ministry, we typically have been uh, dairy farmers, to be honest, and produce agricultural product to sell for revenue. Um, in the 60s, dairy in New England became uh, agribusiness. That didn't really fit with our style of working and working with animals. Uh, so we did what's called Trappist Preserves, and one of those preserves is in the food pairing for the first beer. Um, and then more recently, we decided, we looked into doing a brewery. We spent two years speaking with the six venerable Trappist breweries in Belgium. At the end of the two years, we came to an agreement that uh, they would be willing to have a Trappist brewery outside of Europe. Um, there were a variety of requirements. Uh, they offered us lots of technical support and design support. And in the last meeting, they said we have one more requirement, and that was since we, the Belgians were saying, since we work with state-of-the-art breweries, if you do this, would you please build a state-of-the-art brewery also? So uh, in the end, we did that. Here's a little photograph of what it looks like from the outside in November. 
Um, so with that as introduction, why don't we move into, into tasting really the first, the first offering. So for all things Trappist, what we tried to do was come up with, <clears throat> obviously we have three beers that we're going to offer, um, all produced at Spencer. And then for the food pairings, we look for other Trappist products, so other agriculturally based products. So, um, <clears throat> so we have the Kadota fig to go with the first, pair, first beer. And uh, we have two cheeses that we'll be offering before the evening's over. So they are from Chimay uh, Brewery, so Scourmont Abbey. So the a la premiere, which is a softer cheese, and then the Grand Cru. And then finally, with the third beer that we're going to offer, we'll have some chocolates uh, produced by the Trappistine nuns who are the sister monastery to our monastery, so they're in Rentham, Massachusetts. So everybody has the first beer. Okay. <clears throat> okay, so this, this, this beer is called Carrie's Ale. Um, it's a one-off, it's absolutely one of a kind. Um, the base of this, of this beer is Spencer Trappist Ale. And about uh, a year or so ago, one of, our, one, of our, one of our neighbors who runs a little liquor store approached us, thank you, approached us to see if we could do um, a special beer for him. And at that time, we had an a intern from Weinstefan in Germany, and he was researching barrel-aged beers, so we took our regular Spencer Trappist ale and, and barrel-aged it. Um, this particular uh, neighbor had a special relationship with Jack Daniels, and uh, annually would buy several barrels of Jack Daniels to do single-barrel bourbons. Um, so he brought in the variety of, of, uh, of bourbon barrels. Um, in the original plan for this, for this food pairing, the cheese was gonna be under the, under the Kadota fig, but uh, we, and now it is. Okay, so we have a double offering. So the staff here is really fantastic and it's being really flexible. <clears throat> okay, so for the ale, so you can see, um, uh, you can see that uh, it's, it's aged really a year, so it's very clear. Um, the alcohol is about, uh, the original was 6.5, so this is about 6.7%. Um, the IBUs are around 20 or 22. Um, as it warms up, and if you kind of swirl it in the glass, and you kind of take a deep inhale, inhale, um, presumably what we would hope is as it warms up, you can smell the Jack Daniels. Um, the, carbonation, the carbonation on this one uh, with the aging is a little low. If we're gonna do it again, we'd crank it up. Um, and this is a, an ale that's uh, re-fermented in the bottle so that if you got a pouring from near the bottom of the bottle, you're probably getting some yeast, but as you can see, mine is very clear, and so that means they really poured it very well. Ron, do you want to add some notes about the tasting on the, of the ale? 
That's all right. <laughs> so we should talk about the cheese. Okay. You want to do the cheese? You want to do the cheese? You go. Okay. So this is a really simple, we think, uh, simple and very elegant kind of ale. There's only about uh, 20 or 30 cases left of this in the world. If you want some to follow this, this tasting up, uh, you want to get a hold of Anthony's Liquor Mart in Gardner, Massachusetts. So they have the last of the, the reserve on this. Um, we paired it with uh, the cheese and the Cadota fig. So the cheese is called a la premiere. It's a cheese, it's a, a cow's milk cheese. It's semi-soft, it's produced by Scourmont Abbey who owns Shimei Cheese and Shimei Brewery. Uh, Shimei is the name of the town next to where Scourmont. Um, it's a soft cheese, it's pretty mild and uh, tends to be, kind of have a little buttery texture. Uh, it's not a double creme, but you know, it at least can make you think of that and say, I hope she may produces one of those before too long. Um, they are going to produce four seasonals in the near future. Um, and then we topped it off with a Cadota fig because um, that's a very interesting jam. You know, we've been doing jams uh, since about 1953, I guess, 56. Um, this particular one we, we designed when... Um, a, actually, a, a Japanese uh, department store contract, contacted us and asked us to produce this particular jam. So the fig is kind of light and delicate. Um, the seed gives it a little bit of a nutty character and kind of just uh, taps off the really mellow cheese and uh, we think pairs up reasonably nicely with the ale. Um, if anyone has a question or a comment, uh, please please feel free to flag us and we'll move on. I, I can, I'm in my own glass, as it warms up a little, uh, the Jack Daniels becomes more prominent. Our, our own criticism of this particular ale would be that uh, the Jack Daniel barrel aging overpowered the, uh, the delicate flavors of the original ale. So, um, but if you want a, a nice, the gentleman back there disagrees with me, which is, which is fine. Yeah, and I'll pipe in with that much. It's, uh, you know, it's a, a bottle-aged beer, so it's a live beer that's changing. I think it's changed since I last tasted it. I think it's kind of softened up a bit. If you want to taste the original ale, um, that'll be on tap downstairs. <clears throat> anything, oh, okay, anything else on this one? All right, we're good to go? Let me just check time, you know, I sometimes get carried away. Oh, it's 6.30, yeah, we want to keep moving. <laughs> okay. Um, so the next offering is uh, the IPA with the Chimay Grand Cru.
Is it? Well, it's not it's unfiltered. I don't know. Cold haze, right? <clears throat> oh, I knew I was doing this. So here it is, the world's first Trappist IPA. Uh, <laughs> unexpected for many, but uh, well, there's a story behind it. I don't know if you want to tell. You know, all the beers that get made to carry the Trappist seal. Father Isaac goes to Brussels and gets approved by the Trappist Council. So he brings over a sample, and then everybody tastes it from all these famous Trappist breweries, Chimay, Westmala, and you know the whole group. And uh, they, well, they've always said thumbs up. But, uh, so far, they've all been thumbs up. Yes. Well, as a home brewer, uh, people get pretty inventive, and I've, I've had a lot of barrel-aged, you know, bourbon barrel and, and things like that, but I've never had any Trappist that was done that way. Is this the first one? So uh, that's correct. So this would be, oh, that's, that's not correct, actually. Um, the Dutch Abbey of um, Koningshoven, who markets under the label La Trappe. Uh -huh. So they've been doing some barrel aging for almost 10 years, but it's been restricted to the Dutch market. Right. Is it, uh, is it bur bourbon or whiskey barrels? Or so, okay, so, so they've been doing whiskey barrels, and now they're doing some wine barrels. And uh, we've had, uh, there's what's called the International Trappist Association. So, the, again, the six famous breweries from Belgium plus La Trappe. Um, and then all of its new little breweries, the other, the other four. Um, We've been having some uh, energetic discussions about barrel aging, so um, so we've been we've been trying to get permission to barrel age some some ale. So recently, uh, we just had our annual meeting at Orval two weeks ago, and uh, the vote was to approve if a if a beer has already been approved as an authentic Trappist product, then you can you then you can barrel age without a second approval. So, um, so there's more coming. I have a second question, off topic though, sort of. Okay. You guys do open fermentation? Do we do open fermentation? No, we use CCTs, so uh, we use the conical fermenters. But I was just talking recently with uh, Brother Joris at West Lettering, um, who traditionally has been doing the open fermentation. They had plans to go to CCTs, but they've worked out a deal where they're going to do a new set of uh, open fermenters, but with really contemporary uh, standards. So they're going to continue. It's a future prospect? A future, a future prospect for us? Yeah. Um, no? it's, it's not on my agenda. It doesn't mean okay. it won't happen. I'm All only right. one monk out of 50. But, uh, um, oh, it's, uh, it'd be a redesign of the cellar. All right, thank you. You're welcome. Okay, so back to the IPA. Well, here's what I say this is. Um, oh, it gives me an opportunity. For Trappist, okay, Trappist simply designates where the beer was made. Okay, so it's an appellation. It means it was made in a monastery where there's a live community of Trappist monks who really operate the brewery. Um, Trappist isn't any specific style. 
because the six venerable Trappist breweries are in Belgium, everybody thinks, well, it's a Belgian beer. And, and, and most Trappist beers are re-fermented in the Belgian style. But it isn't style specific. Um, so our, our distributors really urged us to try an IPA. So, so we finally did. So um, I would say this is an IPA and a Trappist habit. So I'm kind of in disguise tonight wearing business casual, but... Uh, <laughs> Um, <clears throat> but what I mean by that is this. I think you can get it. Um, you know, if, uh, if the brewery is the orchestra, then the beer is the symphony. It's the music. And, of course, for an IPA, um, you know, it has to be hop-centric, right? That's, that's what an IPA is. If you go back to uh, the UK and, and making beer for the troops in India, they raised the level of the hops and they raised the level of the alcohol so that by the time the beer got to India, it would still not have spoiled. They were supposed to water it down, but the troops liked it hoppy and higher alcohol and IPA became the style. And it's become an icon, really, of the American craft beer movement, at least in my opinion. The thing is, with a hop-centric beer, um, from a Trappist point of view, it ought to be not only hoppy, but also delicious. And for us, delicious means um, all the elements that make the beer, so the water, the hops, the malt, and the yeast, it all ought to come together to form a whole so that you wouldn't say just one of those elements is the beer. And I remember my very first IPA, Brother Jonah and I were tasting two beers every Friday afternoon to educate our palates before we got into this project. And I can remember my first IPA, and Brother Jonas said, oh, the hops are the beer. So when we did this, we said, ah, we don't want to make that kind of IPA. So this one's a little bit different. So you might think of this. You know, in the, in the symphony, you know, the beat is given by the percussion. So it's what makes the, the whole piece move. But the symphony's bigger than percussion. Um, in the same way when you have those cymbals and they get a big crash. Same, the same way here. The, um, the hops should give you that bitterness zing from our point of view, um, but the zing should dissipate relatively quickly. So that's kind of how, how we designed this. So, we, so it has a big malt body, just using um, Pilsen malt and a Cara Pilsen. And uh, so we wanted to create a body big enough to house all of the hops. And then the other thing on this was we recognize there's a lot of room for single hop IPAs. It's a great way to find out what an individual kind of hop does for flavor and, and bitterness and other character. But um, once again, for um, this whole thing about balance in the beer and harmony is part of what really makes things delicious. So we said, we didn't want to go that route. So we used the German Perlay to give us the bitterness, give us that zing, and also get it to dissipate. But then we took a hop that's not terribly popular. We took the Apollo, and we made that our dominant hop. And since we think harmony flows from unity, we tried to effect a marriage between the Apollo and the Cascade, Cascade being the minor partner. 
So, you know, it's, I mean, you, you, you have to evaluate it. But for us, we were, we were reasonably happy with the way, uh, we're, we're, we're quite happy, actually, with the way it came out. So it's not a West Coast IPA. It's not an East Coast IPA. It's not a clone of anybody's IPA. We say it's simply a Trappist IPA, and we think that's because we think it's really drinkable. Um, we think uh, people who say they don't drink IPA can find this accessible, and, uh, and you can be happy to have a second one. So to pair off against that, we needed a big cheese. And Chimay could provide that. I mean, this is a real stinker, right? I mean, uh, have we tasted this cheese yet? I don't know, but it's got a lot of flavor. So what else but an IPA can stand up to that much flavor? Hmm. So, I mean, that was the, that's why we chose the, 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 the Chimay Grand Cru. In the U.S., it's marketed simply as Chimay Grand. Um, mm, can be, uh, some people say it's a little smoky and, you know, smoke at the end of a cigar. Oh, it's got some of those, some edge to it. It's kind of a big body cheese. Might be more popular in Belgium than here, I'm not sure. Any, any comments or questions? What kind of hops did you use? Okay, so we have three hops in the IPA. So the bittering hop is the German Perlet. The dominant hop is the Apollo. And uh, we'd say its, it's marriage partner is the Cascade. The Cascade is kind of a carryover from our Spencer Trappist Ale. So we're trying to make a little bit of a link there. Um, although they are very different. Of course, what makes this beer different from all of our Trappist classics is that we're using you know, an appropriate yeast for the fermentation. We are not using the, uh, the Trappist family yeast for this beer, and there's no second fermentation in the bottle. And I think the, it's about Cascade, Apollo is about 50-50. Does that seem right to you? No. That's not right? Okay. <laughs> All right. It, it, I'm afraid it isn't, but um, okay. yeah, the Cascade is kind of minor, but it's but it's there. So, but the Apollo hops are said to provide a tropical pineapple is the comment that uh, we seem to hear the most. Um, I was thinking that was a Cascade it was contributing to that pineapple remark we keep getting, but mango and tropical fruits and stuff like that. Uh, that's it. Yeah, and it varies by the temperature as it warms up. Um, you're more likely to get some of that pineapple taste. The brew, we, we, part of our business uh, plan was always to have a, a non-monk as the head brewer to be responsible for, um, yeah, to be responsible for quality, of course, to be a professional, to keep training the monks, etc. So he was really big on this, on this ratio between uh, the Apollo and the Cascade. Um, hmm. Okay. Anything else on this? Okay, so we can move to the to the third offering. So, if the first if the first uh, carryall was the hors d'oeuvre, this was kind of like the main course. So now we're moving into um, what's arguably uh, could be considered a kind of dessert beer.
is so good, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, dose it with IPA. <laughs> yeah, that's not a good mixer. That's not, it's not the right partner, you know. Very lively. Wow, okay. Oh, that, oh that's great. There's still two bottles. Oh, the chocolate. Great. There's two kinds of chocolates. Well, supposed to be two kinds. There are two kinds of chocolates. These, are these not different? So, they are not different. There's, there's one that has... They could just come out. Okay, so so we call this uh, Spencer Trappist Holiday Ale. This is our this is our second the second beer that we produced. Um, this is kind of a big beer, so um, it's big in aroma. Okay, typically if you when it's poured with a little vigor, you get you get a fair amount of head that's kind of head retentive. Um, the alcohol is 9%, um, and uh, this is, um, you know, a Trappist classic in that it's re-fermented in the bottle, so there's a, the primary fermentation, you know, immediately after brewing in the fermenter, and then before bottling, um, it's ferment, we, we renew the yeast, and of course you have to add some sugar for the yeast to work um, to create the CO2 and the alcohol. Um, so this is double fermentation, and it's a classic, uh, we say, the family yeast. Um, and so I think from the nose, you probably can, can tell that. Um, in, in, in style, we could say, Trappist would say, this is a Noel beer. Um, and by that, what we mean is, it's a kind of festive holiday uh, Christmas beer. And it's the addition of spice that really gives it that festive character. Maybe a, a slight historical note would be that in Belgium, spices were used uh, to flavor beer before hops were, were, um, were used and were dominant in brewing. Uh, but what happened, and I, I, and I don't have it right by the century, so it could be... I think somewhere in the 14th or 15th century, somebody wanted to tax the use of spice in beer. And so to get around that, the brewers moved to hops. So um, having, a, having a, a Noel or festive beer that reverts back to this really uh, more ancient way of, of making beer, of course, is part of what makes it festive. 
is, oh, what's in it? <clears throat> okay, so, uh, okay, so the base recipe here, so, okay, so the yeast is a family yeast. The, um, the malt profile in this is, is rather complex. So typically for us, you know, we have the, um, we start with the pills, malt, kind of a, my original brewer was big on this combination of two and six rows. Six row isn't so popular in the U.S. He was a Belgian. <clears throat> Does help to give uh, head to, to, the, to the beer with the protein. So, um, and then there is a, a Cara Belge, and then there is a chocolate malt, and ah, and you know how this is kind of has kind of a clean uh, feel to it. So there is some um, there is some wheat in the in the malt profile of this particular product. Um, spices, you know, we never we never actually say exactly which ones are there, but if you're if you are cooks, maybe. You can pick them out. Um, I don't know. Um, our, our idea of a, of a well, properly spiced beer is that it should be difficult to identify exactly what's creating that uh, flavor profile. So, and and we think the spice level should be subtle enough that uh, it doesn't start to collect on your tongue. You'll have to be the judge of how successful this is or, or not. Um, and then to, to do the food pairing, you know, uh, some, we have the chocolate malt, and uh, some people would feel there's kind of some chocolate notes to this. Um, and so the sister's chocolate, I thought, was kind of a, a nice piece, and uh, also with a little bit of almond to kind of balance off. Are there any comments or questions on uh, the holiday yell? you. There's still two bottles. They probably would want more, which would be, uh, this, is, this is a very, in the U.S., uh, after our regular Spencer Trappist ale, this is, this is a seasonal for us, so we only produce it for uh, the end of the year holiday season, but it's uh, easily, easily, after the, after the, the, you know, the flagship, so to speak, it's the most popular beer that we produce. <clears throat> yes? What yeast is a, sorry, what yeast strain did you use in that beer? Okay, so we, we say we, the way we talk about yeast, we say we use Trappist family yeast. So, so here, here's the whole story on this. So the ITA, the International Trappist Association, has asked us not to say which abbey gave our abbey their yeast. Is that a prohibition just for you? So, no, it's, it's, it's not a prohibition just for me. It's, um, uh, it's part of, uh, it's a mentality that, um, that wants to say, the mentality wants to say that there isn't a Trappist yeast. Um, and the truth of it is that nobody, the Trappists haven't patented a genome. Nevertheless, there is 
there is um, there are uh, there's a small family of yeast with maybe three or so variants that were um, isolated by uh, a monk from Chimay and a monk from Westmala and a monk from Chimay working with Jean Leclerc um, in the through most of the 20th century. Um, but the way but the way this is worked from abbey to abbey is that one abbot will ask another abbot if he his his brewers can have access to the yeast. So, right, and there's a uh, oh well, this the yeast story goes on and on. If, I'll I'll answer a question, but I won't just keep going. I mean, we have the best advisory council in the world, right? If there's ever any questions, you know, there's like all these famous Trappist breweries have been doing it for long tradition. I'll ask a question. Um, speaking of the Abbey, is beer part of the, the life of the Abbey as well, or is it just a product that goes outside? Uh, okay, nice question. So, um, <clears throat> great, I, I like this question. So, when we were, when we were working on uh, what would be the first beer we would produce, um, so I've been in the project. One, one other brother had the inspired idea. He entered the monastery wanting to brew beer. So um, he's still there. Um, he's not brewing beer, but that's the long story. Um, he's not brewing beer with us, at, at least at the moment. Um, but uh, so, yeah, so I've been the leader of this for a long time. Um, so what are we going to brew? And there was a fair amount of pressure, you know, that, uh, you know, it should be one of these really big beers, you know, something, you know, like this perhaps. But what, somewhere along the line, we had the idea that, you know, every Trappist brewery begins by brewing a beer that the monks of that monastery own and drink. So we, we made that our task. So we went through 24 pilot brews on a Sabco system. <laughs> Um, when we got to brew six, it corresponded to the 4th of July celebration we have, maybe, ooh, 2012, I think this would have been. And we started getting some positive feedback. So uh, we kept going with that. And, and so the beer, so this is always an emotional point. So uh, we kept going with that. And so we really, we really tested it out on the group. Yeah, we tested it out in the group. Uh, for, for the New Year's party, uh, at Christmas time we have two parties, one on the day after Christmas, because we do so much liturgy on the day of Christmas, and then New Year's Day. So we, we, had, a, we had our first keg of this that uh, we produced in the new brewery. Uh, and so, our, so there's this brother, Brother Anthony, uh, who grew up in Brooklyn near a brewery, and he just hated the smell of beer, um, and basically hated beer. So, uh, when Anthony came back for the second glass, <laughs> I said, uh, we've made it. So, so that's what's happened. So the group, to just give you a note, we don't, we, we don't drink a lot of alcohol. So before this project, we'd only have it on major feast days. So that'd be, you know, 
I don't know, 12, maybe 15 times a year. And typically, uh, in my community, we would have been wine drinkers. So this, this, the original beer is really designed to reach out to people who consider themselves non-beer drinkers. Um, and so our group has really taken this on. And of course, you know, once you start developing your palate, you know, they, they, they like to try everything we produce. So we typically have uh, served beer on Sunday evening at supper for people, for the community. For those of us who work in the brewery, have to do a fair amount of tasting. It, it's costly. <laughs> Anything else? Don't be shy. Has anyone at the monastery done a 46-day fast for Lent and consumed only beer? So, okay, this question, you know, about uh, only drinking beer as a food for Lent. Um, so, uh, tell you, I don't really know, I, I really don't know a lot about this. I hear the question, and uh, I know it's in, in, in beer, and how would we say it, in anecdotal beer culture, it's a very popular idea. Uh, but, but, but I don't know of anybody who's done it. We do say, ah, but I would tell you this. Are we, are we still in, in our range? Uh, we have four minutes. Okay. So, um, so um, <clears throat> yes. Uh, here's, here's a nice story. Uh, Rochefort Abbey, the first time uh, we went there to, to speak to, to, you know, the monks at Rochefort involved with their brewery, we, we discovered this uh, Frere Antoine who was, had worked in the brewery um, 60 years. Yeah. So on the second trip, I said, I need to talk to Antoine. You know, he's got, he, he knows some things I would like to know. Um, I don't know what they are, but I'd like to get him talking. So. So one of my questions has always been, why, why are Trappist beers typically delicious? You know, you think of the Rochefort 10, the Chimay Blue, the Spencer Holiday, et cetera. What, why, why did that happen? Um, so I think Antoine told me, told me the, the key. So he said, you know, before, 19, uh, before the 1970s, really, a Trappist diet was, uh, was pretty severe. And in the low countries, um, you know, you'd always have really good bread, and most monasteries in Europe were making decent cheese, um, and you would have decent soup. But the rest of the diet, particularly in the Low Countries, was predominantly root vegetables. You know, rutabagas, um, carrots, you know, all those underground delicious creatures in the right proportion. So, so what he told me was that, uh, you know, the diet was pretty, you know, pretty fixed, pretty bland, but the one thing they could adjust was the beer. Um, and he said the beer was really important for calories, but it was also important as kind of the bright spot in the meal, you know, it was, it was really the tasty item. And I think that just, just made its way into, into 
into the Trappist beer culture. And now, you know, it's kind of like you have to kind of measure up to that standard. Um, but it, but it was it was kind of counterpoint to um, the rest of the of the diet. In '69, uh, Trappist monasteries underwent kind of the biggest change that they probably went through since uh, we started in 1098. So uh, maybe since the 16th century. So things like diet and all were were significantly transformed as we tried to catch up with where the rest of the world lived. And and we would we would say Antoine would always say you know beer is liquid bread, so that gets back to this fasting thing. Monks would tend to fast on bread, but the liquid bread piece is a, probably a stretch for us. If there are no other questions, then I just ask that we thank our presenters for this wonderful presentation. Well, thanks very much. Thanks for uh, for coming and all your interest. And, uh, and uh, oh, here, I'd ask you to do a promotional thing. A great way to get distribution is for, for consumers, customers, to say to their retailer, I want this product. And then the retailer will talk to his distributor. So if you like anything you tasted here, be sure to ask your local retailer to put it in, their, in their, his or her store. Okay, thanks very much, and God bless. And if you didn't grab one, feel free to grab a Spiegelau glass on the way out. Thanks to Spiegelau for providing those. Thank you for listening to this recording from Savor 2016, brought to you by the Brewers Association and Craft Beer Radio. You can find the rest of the salons from Savor 2016, as well as all of the salons from previous years of Savor, at craftbeerradio.com slash savor, or on craftbeer.com. Craft Beer Radio is a weekly beer podcast that you can listen to on iTunes or from our website at craftbeerradio.com.